0: Welcome to
1: Neuro Matters: the brink of Alzheimer's with Dr. Sam Brinkman. Our program brings together individuals who struggle with Alzheimer's disease or other disorders and noted professionals who can provide answers and timely information related to these disorders. Now, here is your host, Dr. Sam Brinkman.
2: Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Neural Matters: the brink of Alzheimer's. I am your host, Dr. Sam Brinkman, and this is a program about Alzheimer's disease and the dementias. And we are very blessed this afternoon to have a, a wonderful program talking about a movie that was released last year, a movie called Angel's Perch. Uh, Angel's Perch is a movie about many things, but uh, at the core of it is the issue of Alzheimer's disease, and I am so grateful to our two guests who are joining us to discuss this, J.T. Arbogast and Kimberly Dilt. So, welcome to the program.
3: Thanks for having us. Thanks.
2: J.T. is a writer, an actor, and a producer, and J.T. actually plays the lead role of a character named Jack in this movie. Uh, Prior to arriving in Los Angeles, J.T. spent four years as the associate director of the critically acclaimed National Comedy Theater in New York. I used to want to be a comedian, actually, Uh, (laughs) of which he was also an original cast member. In addition to his work as the associate director at the National Comedy Theater, J.T. served as a lead facilitator for the WITS Team Building, an improv comedy-based corporate training program. Uh, in 2008, he produced a highly successful production of Love Jerry as part of the New York Musical Theater Festival, four Best of Fest Awards, and three Talkin' Broadway Summer Citation Awards. In film and TV, you have appeared, J.T., in When in Rome, 30 Rock, Puppy Love, Office 2010, The Movie, and in theater, you've done Midsummer Night's Dream, Metamorphoses, Mr. Colpert, the Spitfire Grill. You've done a lot of things. I have. I have. <laughs> <laughs> and we welcome Kim Diltz. Kim is the producer. Uh, you guys actually co-produced the movie, I think, didn't you? Yeah, we did. We. Uh,
3: uh, Kim. Kim was uh, very much uh, took on the role of lead producer, though. Uh,
2: certainly, once we got close to production and, and throughout.
4: But we also co-produce our lives because we're
3: married.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. <laughs> that's that's your, your best production effort ever. So, and, so far,
3: yeah,
2: so far. <laughs> the reviews have been good. The reviews have been now really- let me brag on let me brag on Kim a little bit and then Here. and then we'll talk. <laughs> Kim Dilt is a producing artist who works as an actor, director, choreographer, writer, and teacher. After completing Angel's Perch, Kim plans to further develop her three feature-length scripts with her partner JT, that would be him, uh, to shoot some comedy shorts and to finally learn French. Past projects include producing, writing, and performing in a tour of Abbey in June a two-person play about travel and identity, and producing and performing in Mr. Colpert. You guys linked up there. A black comedy about suburban alienation. As a theater director, she assistant directed The Revenger's Tragedy off-Broadway and has frequently collaborated with others in her activities. Kim also was the director of operations for the Haitian Education and Leadership Program for several years, and as her bio reads, taught her more about humility, determination, and passion than any other experience to date tv appearances law and order criminal intent dirty sexy money are we allowed to say that on the radio <laughs> Yeah, I guess we can. Okay, uh, 90210, Kim is a graduate of UT at Austin MFA Acting Program and has a B.A. in theater from the University of South Florida. She frequently plays evil characters and or suicides despite sporting super cute dimples. So. <laughs> I can bounce to the dimples.
4: I don't know if you can them to the radio. I can bounce
2: for to for the listener. Um, and she also enjoys voicing anime. You guys, I am so thankful to you for how helpful you've been with me in getting the program ready and um, and for being on the program so uh, tell the story tell the story of angels perch oh wow uh, you, <laughs> you, you, <the laughs> just in an, uh, don't uh, give away the ending
3: the, yeah okay uh, the story um, uh, deals with uh, a young man uh, by the name of Jack who is a successful architect living in Pittsburgh Uh he is on the brink of a career-changing opportunity when he receives a call that his grandmother has been found wandering um, outside, and uh, he, is, he travels home very quickly to a, a small town, rural town in West Virginia, um, to deal with uh, the decisions that have to be made when um, a family member can no longer live on their own without uh, essentially 24-hour care. And, uh, Jack's been running from his own personal struggles and memories, uh, and, um, as is the case in any small town, is forced to face those when, uh, friends and family, um, pry into, <laughs> pry, into his, <laughs> pry into his life in a way that, that he's been able to run from while, uh, sort of burying himself in work in Pittsburgh. Um, but the story really deals with, uh, what does a family have to go through and, and what are the choices that have to be made when, um, when you are faced with the decision that, the, that someone you love is, is no longer able to care for themselves? And, uh, you know, that decision is different for everybody, but we... And, and it affects not just, you know, close family. I think this, this film, we wanted to show how it affects not just the people who are closely related, but the family and friends who surround and support those people who are suffering from the disease. And um, it's a story of, of uh, love and hope. And uh, obviously, uh, 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 I think there's obviously some tears in there too. But, um, but it's a love letter to the area and a, and a, and a love letter to, to the people who have been touched by, by Alzheimer's.
2: Well, JT, I have to tell you the first time that I saw this movie, uh, how impressed I was that you could write and develop this story in such a moving and powerful way. Um, did you? Uh, where did this come from in you and in your life?
3: Um, it's it's very much inspired by by my own family's uh, experience with the disease. My my grandmother um, had it very late in her life, and. Uh, watching what my family went through in, in uh, continuously having to reevaluate and continuously having to readjust the way we were addressing uh, the situation really left uh, left an impression on me. And uh, part of it came from the, the fact that this area, the house that we shot in is actually my, my grandmother's house. It's the house that my mom uh, grew up in. We, we come from a very small area uh, town in West Virginia, which typically doesn't, uh, the, the, the community in West Virginia typically doesn't get a lot of love when it comes to the, the movies. Um, so, mm-hmm. uh, but our experience in, in struggling with it and, and, and seeing how this community that really, you know, family is more than blood there and, and seeing how they take care of each other and, uh, and, and r- really care for those who are struggling, they lend a hand, um, really inspired me to to write this film. Um, my grandmother passed away in 2008. I started writing it in, in 2010. I needed a little bit of distance, I think. Uh, I think but it was yeah. a story that, that wasn't going to let go. And uh, I, uh, I, I wrote it not really necessarily knowing what we were going to do with it. I, I, it was just a story that, that I needed to get out and you know, I, I finished it, or at least the first draft. Or well, it was probably the third or fourth draft by the time I, I felt like it was in a place where I could share it, and I, I gave it to Kim because I said, "I need you to read this, and and uh, I need you to tell me what you what you think we've got here." And um, you know, and
2: it was really good. <laughs> <laughs> so Kim, you probably knew he was working on this, right? You know, I'm sure that he had mentioned it from time to time before he gave it to you.
4: Yes, yes. Um, but funny story, this was, he wrote it at a moment when we were doing long distance, because I had I had moved to Los Angeles ahead of him, and so he was working on the script, actually, while we were, you know, sort of flying back and forth. So I would hear about it in passing, you know, I knew he was taking a class and working on the script, but... It wasn't until he he came to Los Angeles um, that he sort of came and then also you know <laughs> put down his bags and handed me the script.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Reminds me of Funny Farm, actually, but it didn't turn out the well, same yeah, way. Great. Yeah, <laughs> yes, um, I have got to tell the two of you, and my hat is off to Joyce Van Patton who plays Polly uh Jack's grandmother who develops Alzheimer's disease. I have got to tell you what a wonderful and sensitive and real depiction of Alzheimer's disease that was. It was excellent and um, it shows an aspect of Alzheimer's disease that the general public is not that aware of. Before somebody becomes severely impaired, they have a lot of living to do with lesser degrees of impairment. And they can do many things, but not all things really well. So how did you develop that, uh, depiction of Alzheimer's disease?
3: Um, well, part of that obviously came from personal inspiration. You know, my grandmother, my grandfather, uh, passed away in, in 1980. And so my grandmother lived by herself in that house, um, for the last 28 years of her life up until we moved her, uh, the last six months she was in assisted living, but, um, Watching uh, and 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 seeing how she was so vibrant and such a such a a strong and valued member of the community as most of the of the, the sort of elder statesmen in that in that area are, and and watching that participation slowly diminish um, because she just wasn't able to do it anymore.
4: And sometimes she'd be a little bit embarrassed about, you know, as she started mm-hmm. to lose names. Mm-hmm.
3: So that yeah. Was- yeah. And so um, uh, obviously my experience with that and, and, and seeing it and, and uh, watching my family go through it and, and hearing I, we would get obviously updates when we weren't there from, from the family about what was going on. And, and so that very much influenced um, how I wanted to, I wanted to depict it, and then as I started to really dig into that, doing the research and and reading about that sort of window of time was very important because again, like we wanted to make sure that we were that we were accurate. And uh, Kim's experience came into that with with um, you know some of her uh, relatives. Our director's uh, also our director also had his grandmother suffered from it, and had a and he was he often. One of the things that one I think one of the stories that he often relayed was he would go every Sunday and read um, the magazines to her. He would read to her because she was not necessarily able to get out. But he had he had he had seen a similar path with his uh, family, and so that was our that was very much the base for where we started from. And then uh, we brought on the the West Virginia chapter of the Alzheimer's Association very early in the process once we had a draft that we felt like was ready for. That we, that we knew we were going to produce it and that we, uh, that we knew we needed partners and we, we shared it with them and, and they were initially very complimentary about the way that we had portrayed it but also um, came on throughout the processes as uh, technical advisors on the work that we were doing as well as uh, script consultation and uh, obviously, you know, Joyce is a pro. I mean, she's, we were blessed to get Joyce Van Patten in this role, and she is incredible in it. And obviously, so she had done her own research and uh, spoke with WVALZ. And a funny story: when we got her, we, we had a hard time finding our Polly. Um, uh, Allie Walker, who came on as as Judy, uh, had done a play with Joyce and recommended her. And so we got her the script, and she she was set to play a. a <laughs> She was set to do a play at Playwrights Horizons in New York in we were shooting in September, in November, and the character's name was Polly and Polly was suffering from dementia. So uh it
4: was meant to be. Yeah, there was a
3: certain <laughs> she she read this and was like, All right, this is what I'm
2: supposed to be doing. So <laughs> um So so she had all of her studying already underway to play that role. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
3: And just took um I think the really fascinating thing about working with Joyce was every take she'd bring something a little different or a little new or or, or a slightly different variation on what she was doing, which obviously gave the editor um, a ton to play with. But yeah, she's... Uh, I don't know what you say about her. other than
2: Well, you know, there were even um, uh, aspects of her movements, her walking pattern and things like that, that, that depicted it so very well. Well, we are going to break away for just a minute here for a commercial break. And uh, I ask that you in the listening audience, please stay with us as we uh, continue to talk about the movie Angel's Perch. So stay with us.
5: life your health your network you're listening to voice america health and wellness where did i put my keys
1: what was i supposed to pick up at the grocery store why did i forget that appointment these and other experiences cause us to wonder whether we or our loved ones are experiencing normal memory changes with age or whether we are developing significant cognitive deficits The Gray Matters system provides an efficient, economical, accurate approach to monitoring memory and executive functioning in older adults who are at increased risk of developing dementia. Gray matters may be used in a primary medical care setting, long-term care facilities, retirement communities, and other settings. The system allows for determining whether an individual's memory abilities and executive functioning are in the expected range for age and education, and whether these abilities have changed significantly over time. As a result, older individuals can be given the assurance that they are maintaining good brain health. Gray Matters is a caring, proactive approach to managing the worries of cognitive decline in older persons. Gray Matters. Screen for memory disorders or forget it.
6: By making some important changes in your life, you can move forward from where you are to where you wish to be. It is becoming the change you want to see. It can be a sort of experiment, if you will. On Moving Forward, Wellness One Step at a Time, your host, Dr. Serena Wadwa will introduce you to ideas that can help improve your health, relationships, and finances. You probably have at least one part of your life that needs improving. Make an appointment now to join us every Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel.
5: Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to
1: Neuro Matters the brink of Alzheimer's. To reach Dr. Brinkman or his guest expert today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send questions or comments about the show via email to sdbrinkman at hotmail.com. Now, back to Matters.
2: Welcome back to the program. Thank you for staying with us. We are talking about the movie Angel's Perch, released last year, a wonderful movie about an individual who is moved from building a very successful architect business to suddenly having to become a caregiver and see to the well-being of his wonderful grandmother who, um, uh, with whom he has been so close. And our guests are J.T. Arbogast, Writer, actor, and producer, JT played the lead role in this movie and also wrote the story. And Kimberly diltz Kim is the uh, was the co-producer of the movie with JT and has um, been an actor, director, choreographer, writer, and teacher, and has super cute dimples according to JT. So sorry <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Um, well, uh, we we talked about, J.T., your experience with um, your grandmother developing dementia. And um, as you had noted also, the director, Charles Hain, I think you said his uh, grandparent had developed dementia. Yep, that's true. Yep. And Ellard Crawford as well. She plays such a great role as Betsy. You know, it's, it's, she just really knocks that role down mm-hmm. and uh, she she is obviously a very familiar face as well from, um, it slipped my mind. Um, it's on all uh, the entire run of ER. The, the, that's right, ER, yep. and she played a, a nurse in ER as well. But her mother, I, um, I understand, had Alzheimer's disease as well.
4: I believe it was her
2: husband. Or, I'm sorry, her husband's yeah. mother, yeah. yes.
4: And actually, when we went to her with the role, um, you know, she was, I was just driving in Los Angeles traffic just sort of daydreaming about who we could cast and I dreamed her up and she just I plucked her out of my mind and thought, you know that that actress would be great in this role. let me let me just see about it. And so I reached out to her agent and heard back pretty immediately I think she had she had gotten the call about this script um, as she as she and her husband were on her their way home from his mother's memorial. So yes. oh, it was goodness. a very poignant moment for her to receive the script, and we were just thrilled to have her on board. Yes,
2: um, the the timing in so many ways was just coming together here for this, wasn't it?
3: Yeah, the timing was incredible, and also I think um, so many people uh, have been touched by this disease in one way or another that it just struck, um, the project struck a chord with people in a great way uh, for us to be able to assemble a team that was, you know, an extraordinary team. We, I mean, one of the things to mention, are, uh, the music of the film is, is written, um, there, there's a lot of old-timey uh, string band music in the film, uh, but all of our incidental music and our score was written by Chris Eldridge, who's a member of the Punch Brothers, uh, uh, just an extraordinary uh, musician. Um, and we uh, we got him through a, a connection. A, a friend of ours had had reached out because we they knew he was interested in doing this kind of work. And um, the project uh, touched him because he he had family from Charleston, West Virginia, but also his grandmother had suffered from it as well. So we we it's I think it's hard at this point in time to find somebody who hasn't been touched by the disease in one way or another. and Well, uh,
2: that's absolutely correct, and and I um, want to thank him. That musical score was just very moving. I I thought that it set the scene so very well. Yeah, it's really, uh, we were really, again, another, we were really,
3: really lucky, and he pulled together a, a group of, of uh, he, he called it his sort of dream team, old-timey string band, and we spent three days in, uh, a, a very cold church in Brooklyn <laughs> at, the <end> of, <laughs> uh, at the end of 2012 uh, recording this music. I mean, it was just, I, I was in awe of all of their work. Um, but uh, but it's, it, it just, it plays, so it's another character in the film It plays, so it really helps that sense of place and really it just plays so beautifully underneath the
2: action. You know, um, I don't want to give too much of the story away, but there's a scene that, uh, to me, was just so moving, and it has Homer Hunter who oh. plays the the postmaster, and of course he has the blues band in the movie as well. Yep. and this is at the the community gathering, and um, uh, Joyce Van Patten as Polly. Polly. Uh, used to sing with this bluegrass group and she comes up to the front and sings and the way that um that Homer's character I the name of, of that character slips Delbert, away from uh, Delbert. Delbert, that's right. Yeah, yeah. The way that Delbert takes care of Polly um looks at her appreciates her, uh, lifts her up, guides her, keeps her safe and on task is that's just a very moving part of that film.
3: Yeah. It's uh, that. Well, that particular scene is uh, that's a tough one. It's a, it's a really, um, we were really, we were really thrilled that that scene came out the way it did. Cause it was such a poignant moment. And, and um, you know, music oftentimes plays such an interesting role in people's, um, experience of this disease and, and how it affects the brain, obviously, that this music is... I wanted to write something about how this. these things are sort of locked away in a place that, that can surprise you, uh, that is almost... It, it's almost uh, it, unconscious the way the music happens, uh, and they play that scene so beautifully. And Homer, you know... <laughs> I'll, I can let Kim chime in on, on Homer. He's <laughs>
4: he, he, he's the most interesting man, the most interesting man in West Virginia. <laughs> he, he, um, you know, he is not a trained actor. This is his first acting role. He, you know, he was a musician, and that role was. I mean, it was so difficult. We just we couldn't find anyone for it. And, you know, JT originally wrote the role with, you know, you, you always sort of write with someone in your mind, you know, and, and so he, he had always sort of imagined um, Robert Duvall, you know, as this sort of mm-hmm. cantankerous, you know, most eligible bachelor in this tiny town. And, um, and we couldn't find anyone, but everyone kept telling me, you got to meet Homer, you got to meet Homer. So I call him up, and, um, and, I mean, Homer really made us chase him. He was like, listen, my music comes first. It's real important. I don't know about this movie thing, and uh, and so you know we, we gave him the scenes to read, and he said, "All right, these are these are good," and uh, and then ultimately I, I, the director and I drove down to his uh, his uh, camp in Stony Bottom, and we auditioned him on his driveway, and the audition pretty much consisted of him flirting with me. <laughs>
7: <laughs>
4: yeah, and uh, and 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 you know I think that. He won us over immediately and then we won him over. I mean he yeah. just you know, he once he saw what we were doing, he was just on set all the time, whether whether he needed to be or not. Yep. And uh, it was just such a light, you know, yeah. uh, just such a such you know, his presence on camera that that's him. Yeah, he's,
3: he's just, just he's so a natural. I, tell, I I told him when we wrapped shooting, I said, I hope I get to call you and tell you that there's some famous LA director that wants to bring you out and put you in their movie so that I can pay you more you <laughs> what you're actually worth but uh, he he jokes with us now that we ruined his life forever he can't go anywhere anymore because everybody recognizes him as everybody that- knows
2: him now well in fact i would like to talk a little bit with you you know putting on a production like this is not um uh, is not inexpensive at all and you had to have had a lot of backing
4: well it was more you know I- how do I put this? You know, independent film is all about ingenuity. And so, you know, you find a way to make the film work. You figure out how much money you have and that's how you make the film. And when you decide that the film's going to get made, that's when the film's going to get made. Because with independent film, it is very rare that you actually find the budget you need. So,
3: Or the budget you think you do need. You
4: think you need, yeah, exactly. <laughs>
7: yeah.
4: And so, you know, the process of this film, you know, I'll be honest about how much it costs. You know, we think that this film, you know, when you see it, it, it's a Hollywood film. I mean, it, it looks like, it doesn't look like, a, you know, an independent film with jerky motion and not great sound. Like we, yeah, and, yeah,
3: like we bought a you camera. Know, like at we that bought that a camcorder.
4: <laughs> but, but you, know, it's, it's, you know, it's shot on a red, which is a cinema camera. And, you know, we had, you know, an entirely, you know, experienced crew and, and, and you know, actors who people recognize. But, you know, the entire production cost $185,000. And wow. um, and that but, but what you don't you know, what you don't hear about with that is that we got all of our housing for free and we got yeah. all of our locations for free and everyone in the town rallied around us and said mm. the cast and crew, you know, the entire time, you know, all of this food was donated. So, you know, there was a tremendous amount of goodwill um, that that came to us to support the film and so you know we you, you just learn how to stretch every single dollar and you learn to not be afraid to ask for
3: favors <laughs> yeah and we took you know multiple approaches to finding the money we kickstarted the project in 2011 and 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 raised some of it and uh we initially a lot of films obviously go after investors uh to try to raise the budget um we started down that path, but but recognized pretty quickly that because of the size of film we were, it, it just didn't really make sense for us in that way. So we um, we partnered with WVALZ as our as our fiscal sponsor to allow us to apply for grants and uh, and allow us to accept donations as as part oh, of the raising. So uh, and they got a percentage of that. So we were you know obviously helping them out as as they were helping us. Um, and, and, and we, you know, yeah, you, you, we got to a point, um, about a year and a half into working on it where we, we sat down with the director and cinematographer and said, here's what we set out to raise. Here's what we have. Let's, we're going to make it this fall, uh, with whatever we've got. And everybody I think was so committed that, that, yeah, you just, you figure out a way to make it happen. And, and, um, as Kim said, I, I I don't think we would have ever been able to do it without the support that we got from the community. I mean, it was just, this is as much their film as it is ours. It was an incredible experience for us to, and, and just a, an overwhelming and humbling outpouring of support. Uh, well,
2: and I certainly would like to express my appreciation to the people of Cass West Virginia. What a beautiful place to film a movie. Yeah. We uh, we are going to go to break, and when we return, we will continue our discussion with J.T. Uh, Arbergast and Kimberly Diltz about this wonderful movie called Angel's Perch. So stay with us.
5: Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
6: Can grief be good for you? Absolutely. It gets your attention, helping you evaluate your choices and relationships. Your losses define who you are. Tune in each week for Good Grief with host Cheryl Jones. Our show features those who have made incredible transformations by grieving their losses. You'll learn how to find your courage and strength you'll discover the important things in your life and how to let go of things that are less important. Good Grief airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health & Wellness.
1: Where did I put my keys? What was I supposed to pick up at the grocery store? Why did I forget that appointment? These and other experiences cause us to wonder whether we or our loved ones are experiencing normal memory changes with age or whether we are developing significant cognitive deficits. The Gray Matters system provides an efficient, economical, accurate approach to monitoring memory and executive functioning in older adults who are at increased risk of developing dementia. Gray matters may be used in a primary medical care setting, long-term care facilities, retirement communities, and other settings. The system allows for determining whether an individual's memory abilities and executive functioning are in the expected range for age and education, and whether these abilities have changed significantly over time. As a result, older individuals can be given the assurance that they are maintaining good brain health. Gray Matters is a caring, proactive approach to managing the worries of cognitive decline in older persons. Gray Matters, screen for memory disorders
5: or forget it. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening
1: to Matters: the brink of Alzheimer's. To reach Dr. Brinkman or his guest expert today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send questions or comments about the show via email to sdbrinkman at hotmail.com. Now, back to NeuroMatters.
2: Thank you for staying with us for this interesting discussion about the movie Angels Perch, released last year, written and co-produced by J.T. Arbogast and uh, Kimberly Diltz, and J.T. is the plays the lead character in this movie as well. And uh, I am so grateful that for the two of you for being with us on the program and I also want to introduce to you Howard Gretzner. Howard was the guest on the second radio program that I did um, for Neuromatters and Howard is uh, the most knowledgeable person that I know on Coping and caregiver stress and caregiver grief and um, managing Alzheimer's disease. Howard is with the Alzheimer's Association North Central Texas chapter in Waco, Texas, and he is the author of what I believe to be the first book written on caregiver stress with respect to the dementias. Howard, thank you for joining us and uh, giving us some of your time and wisdom. It's my pleasure. Well, Howard, would you tell our listeners, first of all, what you have been doing with this movie?
7: Well, we we don't have a whole lot of good visuals, much less stories, to try to uh, teach and inform people about uh, diseases like Alzheimer's, but more importantly, how they don't just affect the person with the disease, but their impact... On the lives of the people who are caregivers or family, or as in the case of this film, um, the fact that the grandson is the one who has to choose finally to come back and be with his nana, Polly, and you know a lot, there are a lot of different family scenarios, and so I think it's it's important that we have a chance to see some of those, and many of many caregivers are spousal but there are also a growing number of children even grandchildren who are becoming the caregivers and so i think that's an important message in and of itself the other part about the teaching is tracing out how the character jack has all of these huge conflicts uh... many of them not even known to us that he's having to wrestle with and i don't know if this was by intent But let's say this is my metaphorical meter kind of, uh, queuing in on something. One of the things that Jack says is he and his partner Kevin are trying to, to sell their idea about how they, this, uh, company needs to, to redo their building for their business. His answer finally is gut it. And to me, that was Jack telling himself, that eventually I'm going to have to change my insides if, if I'm going to be able to handle this. Cause I think he was already aware of something happening to his nana. Is that, that correct? At yeah, that point.
3: absolutely. At that point.
7: Um, so uh, was that a part of the plan or, or, you know, um, do you see what I'm saying? How much that brings out? Because in fact, the less y'all said, the better it was. <laughs> no doubt. And, you know, once I looked at the, uh, the other stuff you know on the d- the d v d there yeah. 's a lot of stuff that didn 't get in <laughs> that 's true yeah um,
4: i mean i I would say that that's a, a that is a very keen reading of that line yeah um, I would say that, that for me it 's funny the line that I thought you were going to uh, that you're going to reference is, uh, you know, hi, I'm Jack. Uh,
7: what do I do? Like, like that. We're defined by what we do, and so um, well, I, that that's a part of it. Yeah, and that's the other. That's all in that um, same scene. That's all in that same sequence. We really
3: set up where Jack is at that very particular moment.
7: Um, that's right. Yeah. you are what you do. Yep. And the other thing that y'all bring out with that, there there are two basic approaches to to living life if we reduce it down one is to be task focused to be the doer Yep. the other which apparently jack was really wrestling with to try to grasp is the being orientation to life mm-hmm. who you are as opposed to what you do mhm absolutely and and that was the conflict at least that i watched through so much of the the film and you know one you, you're a gradually aware i mean the images in the beginning are very stark Mm -hmm. after what we later learn is 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 your wife died in the film very stark um you know the 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 ceiling cracked down the middle Mm -hmm. yep (laughs) and that said well is that another image of a split mind which way do i go yeah
4: I will tell um, you that that image in particular uh, was a crack that existed on the ceiling of our apartment.
7: Yep. And
4: that is one of those... So it's
7: very personal, man. Yeah.
4: <laughs> exactly right. That's one of those moments that, that, uh, that one of those brilliant mo- movie-making moments where you get to set, and you see this thing, and the director has an impulse uh, mm-hmm. to shoot that because he thinks it will be useful later, or it will have some significance later, and indeed it did. Yeah.
7: Yeah. <laughs> oh, well... All, all of that that was great. And, and so there are lots of clues, yeah, that, that y'all have so wisely uh, put in. And of course, we have to pay a little attention to pick up on those. Mm-hmm. And for my own satisfaction, the other one that continued to be another measure of where the character was going and which side he was going to finally take, or what parts he was going to assimilate, is the gate. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And, and and how long it took for him to finally, you know, take care of that boundary one way or the other. Yeah, absolutely, you know? yeah. So it, it's a film with a lot of wonderful images, metaphors. A lot, of, lot more of a message than what would would appear to, to, to meet the eye sometimes. So um, that's why I enjoy watching it time and time again. And forgive me if I start reading things in that weren't. In uh, movie, no, 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 no. No, I'll tell you. We 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 were. Uh, I mean, we talked about the performances, but we were also uh,
3: we were we were blessed with an incredible uh, director who was. He, he is very much a visual storyteller, and our mm-hmm. uh, and our DP, um, our director of photography. Uh, Kim Kulata, who worked with Charles, um, they have teamed up on a number of projects and they both just have, I mean, they just have an incredible eye for capturing those little details. Yeah. That, that, yeah. I mean, like Kim pointed out, that crack in the ceiling, that was something Charles saw and he was like, I want to get that because I, 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 I think it's going to be important. And they, there was a number of those things that they just were aware and paid very close attention to and took great care to capture so that then... Mm you know in the editing room it just gave our editor audie an incredible amount of stuff to work with and to to really you know film is a visual medium and you have to tell the story in pictures and and there they did an incredible job of finding those those little yeah. moments that add up to to really filling out the story
7: well and and what that adds to you know everybody's familiar that caring for loved ones with conditions like dementia is a very stressful um, challenge and it continues to uh, cut away at the health of the caregiver sometimes. But sometimes we don't appreciate that there are all these other things going on. Alzheimer's doesn't happen, you know, in a family with nothing else going on. It happens in lives that are already uh, challenged, or dug, I mean, the richness as well as the challenges of it. So that carried that all the way through the film and you know my sense of loss you know i think again uh... dr brinkman mentioned this it was a really well scripted way of looking at how someone experiences the disease as well as the continued challenges the character Jack had to relate to the person who was there and yet less there sometimes and then trying to cover or avoid or keep in the background his own dilemmas as well.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, this, the, the nugget of this film uh, started for me with the idea of, of memory and what what is the conflict that happens when you've got one person who is desperately struggling to hang on to uh, their memory and identity and one person who is... Desperately trying to run away from it, um,
7: yeah.
3: and that's really I think the that that's where we and 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 what are the choices that you know <laughs> one of those two things is going to have to break. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
4: and I, I'll say that too. Um, a little interesting a- anecdote, which um, is, is, if you listen to, if you listen to the commentary, I think we mentioned it in the commentary. But um, the film actually used to have a different ending. Before we, um, you know, when we brought on the West Virginia chapter of the Alzheimer's Association, um, the film originally ended with Polly passing away, and you know, it was a, it was, it was an extraordinarily poignant. But it never quite felt right, and we got this very, very. Uh, we, we had we had been working with um, uh, uh, um, a, a gentleman who worked with the production company that that, um, that our director worked with, and he he gave us this note that was just so profoundly right, which he says I think if. Polly passes away, you're letting Jack off the hook. And that's just not the way it is in life.
3: Well, and it so change we changed the, story, the ending. Really. The minute he said it, we all got we chills all got in chills. the room. Yeah, yeah. because yeah. we
4: recognize yeah. no. the Hollywood ending is that she dies at the end. It's sort of, you know, he's had this, this, this life-changing experience, but now he goes back to his life. But that's just not well, the way of it. Which like
7: really we, didn't solve the conflict. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly.
4: It doesn't happen in a vacuum,
7: so. Yeah. We, right. were, we were very grateful for that note. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, again, just a, another nice comment on on the work and how I brought things together. For me, if we're going to talk about grief and loss, you know, in the film, uh, the one thing, of course, as Jack was battling trying to get all the work done for his partner and, and get the job, that means he was always trying to find time to be by himself. Mm-hmm. And the... The other thing that that brought up, when he was by himself, sometimes he ended up having, who knows what the real relationship was, but uh, Jenny comes into the picture yeah. and reminds him, and gradually I guess that keeps clarifying just what some of his conflict was and maybe hers too, uh, relationally speaking. Mm-hmm. And um, so she finally makes the decision, and he's left on his own again, have to finally make the decision for himself, I guess.
2: Yeah. Well, please forgive me for jumping in here. I, uh, um, <laughs> I'm enjoying listening to you guys talk, but we do have to go to a break, oh,
0: and okay. um,
2: somebody's got to pay for the electricity, of right? Of course, <laughs> right. <laughs> so we are going to go to a short break, and we will return with Howard Gretzner, J.T. Arbogast, and Kim Dilts. And a discussion of the wonderful movie Angels Perch. So stay with us.
5: Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Where did I put my keys? What was I supposed
1: to pick up at the grocery store? Why did I forget that appointment? These and other experiences cause us to wonder whether we or our loved ones are experiencing normal memory changes with age or whether we are developing significant cognitive deficits. The Gray Matters system provides an efficient, economical, accurate approach to monitoring memory and executive functioning in older adults who are at increased risk of developing dementia. Gray matters may be used in a primary medical care setting, long-term care facilities, retirement communities, and other settings. The system allows for determining whether an individual's memory abilities and executive functioning are in the expected range for age and education, and whether these abilities have changed significantly over time. As a result, older individuals can be given the assurance that they are maintaining good brain health. Gray Matters is a caring, proactive approach to managing the worries of cognitive decline in older persons. Gray Matters. Screen for memory disorders or forget it.
6: Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics.
5: Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are
1: listening to Neuromatters, the brink of Alzheimer's. To reach Dr. Brinkman or his guest expert today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send questions or comments about the show via email to sdbrinkman at hotmail.com. Now, back to Neuromatters. Thank you for staying with us as we discuss this movie, Angel's Perch. We have with
2: us J.T. Arbogast. J.T. plays the lead role of Jack in this movie. And J.T. also wrote the story and co-produced it with Kim Diltz, the uh, co-producer and actor, director, choreographer, writer, teacher, and um, I just feel so thankful to you two for being on the program with us, and we have been joined by Howard Gretzner with the Alzheimer Association, uh, author of the first book that, that I'm aware of that was written regarding caregiver stress and caregiver burden, and my name is Dr. Sam Brinkman. I'm the host. I don't say much. Howard? (laughs) Talk with us about what you were saying at the break about validating somebody's grief and sense of loss.
7: One of the difficulties with many diseases or many situations of loss is if they cannot be socially validated, that really creates a mountain for the griever or the one suffering the loss to climb and alzheimer's disease and other dementias certainly presents a lot of those kinds of problems for caregivers in fact one of the things i used to hear from caregivers was everybody's always asking about my spouse nobody ever asked about me so we really have a hard time finding a way to approach that sense of loss and what it means to the person with dementia at times but also to the caregiver And so what i was bringing um up is the most wonderful scene for me that really captures this sense of importance of what happens to someone who kept his grief, his loss of his his wife secret for so long and all of a sudden then it's it's Nana his grandmother who finally begins to remember that he had called her once and that's an that's a terrific bind, bind, bonding moment again where they come back together. She validates his loss that he had been so unable to really share or would not share with anyone else and so alone in that. And then, then you see her also opening up within that same moment to her own sense or awareness of her losses. And so you have two people who are sharing losses, some the same, some different. And, and that was just so beautifully constructed. And, and, um, so let's go back to the storytellers and, and see if that was the intent that you no doubt had.
4: Absolutely, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, um, it was. It was. Uh, you know, the shooting of that scene. Um, this is sort of a funny, a, a funny story. The the shooting of that scene, of course, was you know very emotional. You know, JT and um, and Joyce. You know, just. You know, just basically imagine you know crying for ten hours you know? <laughs> and, um, yeah. and and um a lot of the a lot of the crew um you know a lot of times the 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 guys who do lighting and the guys who you know who who work the crew don't necessarily read the script so they don't know. You know, they, they witness the story a little bit out of out of order, and they don't actually know what's going to happen. Um, it's usually, you know, just the key members of the crew who know the story, and so it was this extraordinary moment. We have, you know, all of these big burly guys just, you know, sniffling all the <laughs> time. <long>. Understandable. <laughs> it was this yes. extraordinarily, you know, poignant, uh, I, you know, m- moment to shoot, and um, and none of them, none of them knew, it, it, you know. For them, it was the moment that the big secret of the film was revealed, and so I think it hit a lot of them.
3: Uh, <laughs> it hit a lot of them hard. Not aware, and I think um, you know, touching on that, I know uh, my own experience of that window of time with my grandmother when she was, you know, aware. She'd have moments of awareness, and how uh, I mean, that was really inspired by my mom's. Um, watching my mom uh negotiate that and watching my mom who uh is you know you are these the people who become caregivers it's not as if like you said it's not as if their life stops they are all dealing with their own uh personal things both large and small but watching my mom uh uh, uh negotiate it and and reassure my grandmother that it was all going to be okay even though everybody in the family knew that at some point it was probably not going to be
7: okay anymore. Um,
4: and also the sense that you have to become okay with how not
7: okay it is. Yeah. Find, ways yeah. That yeah. And
4: find just ways to sit with it.
7: Well and, and at least from my experience in working with these folks and their families the, the, the factual reality has to go. We have to st- Keep trying to keep that in the picture because the only reality that can finally be shared is an emotional reality yep, yeah. but if you've been trying to keep reconstructing the person, the disease is is challenging, then you end up creating so many defenses on their part mm-hmm. that we can't relate anymore
3: yeah yeah absolutely
7: and and so i I just uh, that's just in, incredibly powerful and meaningful moment where two people who were being cut away by all of this suddenly come together. And I guess it's somewhat coincidental. That was uh, around what Jenny left when she left to go find her life again, wasn't it? Yeah,
3: yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, using, um, uh, the, you know, the art where the piece of art right. sort of unlocks, uh, you know, you're, you're looking back to unlock the, the, the future, essentially. Like yeah. that, You've got to be okay with the way things have been and okay with the way things are, where things are going.
4: Yeah, and there's also a sense of, you know, as artists, you know, our hope is that the work that we do touches other people, you know, in the same way that we have been touched by art, um, no matter what the medium is. And so in some ways, you know, I think that, that, you know, art therapy and, and just, you know, art is essential to our humanity and essential to helping us deal with things that we can't put into words. And Mm -hmm. I feel like this is, for me, a really great example of that, you know, being captured.
2: Yeah. Well, I would like to uh, jump in here and I have just a couple of questions and we have about two and a half minutes left. Um, JT, there's a scene uh, on the train when Polly and Jack are on the train and there's a couple sitting in front of them. And I looked at that couple and I said, any couple like that is bound to have a fantastic son. Who was that couple?
7: (laughs) That
3: was, that was our, our director's parents who were there with us for one day and he, uh, and he placed them, uh, you know, in, in, in prime real estate, (laughs) prime real estate on the street. So yeah. And they do in fact have a a tremendous son, uh, so yes, that was our director's fan. <laughs> they were so excited to be involved. Uh yeah, it was really funny.
2: The title of the movie, Angel's Perch, uh-huh. that's an attention getter. Where does that come from?
3: Good question. Um so the top we 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 had we've gone through many titles uh with the script. Um but Kim uh was researching some old logging railroad terms. Obviously the, the play takes place or the, the play. The film takes place in uh in Cass, West Virginia, which is a, a, a turn of the century logging town, and the Angels Perch actually references the four seats at the top of an old timey red caboose. Uh, that is known as the Angels Perch, and, and when Kim stumbled upon that, uh, we, we it just resonated with us on so many levels that we knew um, that was it. That's our that's our title,
4: and it's up to you to determine who the angels
7: are. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and we so. actually didn't have a. I'll try to tell this very quickly. We didn't have a scene set in the Angel's Perch right before production, so we uh, we Charles, moved.
4: Our director pointed it out and said, yep. "We probably should put a scene in
3: an Angel's Perch." So we moved the scene between Jack and Ginny to that location. Uh, which became uh, both an incredible scene but also uh, uh, the bane of our existence because it's a very tiny spot for a camera, three-camera crew, two actors, and a director to try to fit into.
2: <laughs> that, was a, <laughs> that was a very moving scene, and, um, and that was so well done in spite of the difficulties that you mentioned in the commentary <laughs> yeah, yeah, in, yeah. The, uh, yeah, in yeah. the Angel's Perch. You have given a gift uh, to mankind. And I thank you for that. I thank you for taking the the wonderful talents that you have been given and for the dedication that you have shown and for the the commitment to team that I know that all of you had to experience to put together uh, something that I think will be so helpful to so many people who are um, in various aspects, various places in the whole Alzheimer's disease story. So thank you. First for the gift of this movie and thank you uh for spending the time with us this evening to talk about the movie. Well thank you.
4: It has been a pleasure. Thank yeah, you so much. Absolutely. Okay. We just
3: hope that uh the film does what we that we what we set out to do, which was let those people who are experiencing this disease know that they are not alone and that, you know, to get we're all in it together and hopefully hopefully you one know, day we, we can all leave.
7: all end up like uh, Nana yeah, <laughs> that's,
2: that's right. And Howard, thank you, thank you so much, Howard, for joining us as well for this discussion and lending well, your very expertise. very glad to do so. It's been uh, a fun discussion. I have enjoyed this, and I look forward to feedback from our listeners, which I will pass on to the three of you as that comes. And I look forward to being back with you next week for another discussion about Alzheimer's disease and the dementias. Thank you for being with us this this good day
0: thanks again for listening thank you you for listening to
1: Neuro Matters the Brink of Alzheimer's please join Dr. Sam Brinkman again next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel we'll talk again next week